2: hi folks welcome to another episode of film study this is ken McCusick. we're here for part two of our discussion on the defense with jordan co of the ravens situation room jordan how you doing good happy to be here ken happy for a big Ravens win oh always a pleasure and uh we've got so many great performances to talk about this game but you know how it works who would you like to talk about first you know what i want to talk
3: about patrick queen because i think we're we're getting back into lightning rod territory around patrick queen i think the ravens have used him less effectively over the last few weeks. They're asking him to defend slot receivers or tight ends, guys in motion, one-on-one. Teams have always attacked Patrick Queen in space. And I think, you know, I think Queen has played well, but he has just not been put in some of these same situations. He, I think, gets in his own head a little bit. And then when he has plays that aren't to the advantage of the team, starts to play a little bit of hero ball, doesn't stay within the system, over pursues i think you go back to the uh you know the year where when nick chubb had that big 80-yard touchdown run and patrick queen just kind of overran it you start to see him do a little of those things when he gets in his own head and so i'd really like to see the ravens you know i think patrick queen should be in the a gap 40 percent of the time you know like don't let teams try and isolate him make teams counter and decide what they want to do because they think patrick queen is going to do something else Don't keep him in this passive role where other teams can attack him. Think that they know what they're going to get from him in coverage and go after him there. I I think that is just not going to be his strength overall of this defense.
2: Okay. I think I understand what you mean here um, when you're saying you, you don't want him to have a coverage responsibility at all. So if he's in the a gap, one of the things they've done with him and Smith very effectively is dropping the player who's at the line of scrimmage into coverage and then bringing up the other guy to Add an element of confusing, but they seem to do that confusion. They seem to do that a lot, and have only one guy at the line of scrimmage as opposed to two. But you're saying you want him rushing the passer more as opposed to in coverage more. Is that what what I'm getting from? Yes, rushing. I mean, I definitely think he needs to rush the passer more. I think he's really
3: effective. The Ravens use him really effectively as a pass rusher, and I think at least by eye test, and this is, you know, I, had that, I don't have any numbers in front of me to back this up, so maybe I'm just off base on it, but it feels as though he's been rushing the passer less in the later parts of the season than he was earlier in the season. I think he's really effective, but even if it's not the case of rushing the passer, you're still making, the like we were just talking about on the last podcast, you're making the quarterback the offensive line and the receiver all get in sync around who they think Patrick queen is covering. So even if he doesn't rush in that situation, is it going to be queen? Is it going to be a defensive lineman? Is it going to be van? Noy, who is it going to be? That's going to be dropping in those situations and give him the advantage of that. I think, you know, I talked about, about this a bit, you know, earlier, I thought the Ravens just were a little too vanilla from time to time. And when the Ravens go into that kind of like core, vanilla approach patrick queen is almost
2: exclusively the guy that other teams are trying to find and pick on a pass coverage i I do completely agree with that part by the way um the last 29 times he's been targeted have been 27 receptions by the way this last game he gave up 10.9 yards per target so you know that's not what you want his yards per target for the year are fairly high let me give you that if i can he's got yeah 49 targets for 396 so he's over eight yards per target now for the year after this kind of bad game, 8.1. It's not what you want out of your middle linebacker. You know, you, you, you want to have a weak side in his case, the guy who uh, can cover better than that. I I'm, you know, what's happened in recent weeks with Patrick queen to me, the coverage has been something where they, they might actually be able to correct it in some of the ways you've mentioned by giving him different responsibilities. What's been really bad is the tackling has come back Mm. at a bad level. In the last last five games, he's missed 10 tackles. So uh, he actually put out a tweet after the Cleveland game saying, "You know, I need to do better than that BS today." Basically, and then he, he took it down or changed it to some way and said, "Looking forward, glory to God." You know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was one of these things where he, where he, uh, you know, for whatever reason, he he didn't think that should stay up there. But uh, obviously, had a bad game. Uh, you know, I don't think it, it is a contract year. Obviously, all the every other GM in the in the league has access to all the film there is on Patrick Queen. And if they're going to make a big investment in him, they're going to they're going to want to know. But right now, honestly, Patrick Queen has hurt his value a little bit. And, and I think we had the discussion on this, uh, um, you know, this week talking about how they're going to rebuild the defense next year. And he's honestly dropped to being about an average inside linebacker in this league right now, which is a long drop from the first half of the season uh, when he's playing a lot better than that. Yeah, I think he's a
3: he's an X factor
2: for this defense as it continues through the rest of the season. Yeah, so maybe that's maybe that's an an opportunity for improvement if we want to look at the glasses absolutely. There is we've seen him. Yeah, we've seen him at a higher level. Yeah,
3: it's a scheme right. and personal. I think there's upside no in both. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Let's uh, let's move on. Talk about Adafe Oway a little bit. Um, just been really happy. We talked a little bit about it in the first uh, half. By the way, go download that if you haven't already. There's a lot of good stuff about uh, the pass rush, comparing this to 2006 from t- 2023. Even talking a little bit about 2000. Jordan made an excellent point, and definitely is backed up by the numbers about how this is an enormous shift historically. A, you know, a continental shift in terms of. How the Ravens have approached their willingness to give up a little more on the ground to be exceptionally good pass defenders, and they're having their their, their most odd relationship in history. They've actually allowed less yards per pass play than they've than they've uh, allowed per run play for the year, uh, and it's it's you know four point five per run and four point two per per pass play. So uh, a lot of good discussion about that in the first one, but Owe, uh, I think is you know obviously part of the Ravens. Some is or yeah, some is greater than the parts players, but he is one of the really important parts because he's a guy who certifiably is generating some first pressures and a guy who also is benefiting in terms of being able to clean up. And he ha- his one sack was a cleanup, but he also had a bull of brown that set up Clowney for a cleanup in this game. So he's, he's, he's done a little bit of everything. And I think he led, he led the Ravens in pressures, let's say, as I scored. He had five. Then he had another that was lost to penalty, and then he had another. No, he had another three actually, where he flushed the pocket, and the quarterback ran. One of them ended up being just a short run, so it was really a big defensive win. The other two, um, you know, it's at least he he flushed the pocket and 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 uh, forced a no pass. So real happy with the play of Adafe. Yeah, he's he
3: is. When he's been healthy, he's looked really good this year, and he's the guy that, that the Ravens needed. It was fun to see him beat Orlando Brown for a sack, too.
0: <laughs> it, it was.
2: Orlando Brown looked terrible against him. He used him, he used Orlando Brown like a sock puppet in this game, frankly. Um, it, it, Adafi Elway, by the way, I, I don't – what do you think his 50-year option is going to cost the Ravens? What would you guess right now? Not looking at the number. I know this oh. is the deal thing. Yeah, whatever the number is is what it is, though, right? It is, it is what it is, Yes.
3: Yeah, I, I mean. So, are you asking me if I would take it without knowing what the number? No, is? no,
2: no. I, I want you to try and guess what the number is for how he's played, because there's a there's a performance component to it. Oh, um, I don't know. I guess it would probably be thirteen million. Okay. See, I thought that too. I thought you know, well, sure he's a good edge, you know, blah 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 blah. Um, it's only seven point two million right now. Oh. They have so just, to take no it. brainer, that's- no, absolute no <laughs> brainer. So, 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 but, but there, there is a problem. Is that if he, if he were to make a Pro Bowl, I believe this year, then he would get up to I like, think nine million. Now, I don't, so, don't know if you remember a- this last year, but Patrick Queen was campaigning to make the Pro Bowl at the end of the year, and he's he's saying, you know, like, would really appreciate your Pro Bowl vote. Blah 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 blah. blah. Well, Patrick Queen also didn't have his fifth year option decided on at that point. They decided mm. this offseason, they didn't pick it up, but it's one of those things that it, it really I, I really appreciate the work of Pat Hurst out there who is who uh, does a bunch of Pro Bowl voting for the Ravens. She's yeah. actually might be hurting the Ravens cap. I hate to say it uh, because the Ravens got a lot of surplus Pro Bowlers and. When when they're in, then they end up costing you more in cap in the in the future, in, in particular in the in the um, uh, various performance ways where they might get a fourth year or third year performance bump. But also if they if they make it, and then you have to pick up their fifth year option at a later point. So if anybody is trying to trying to sucker you, sucker you is the wrong word, or or you know, advocate for you voting for you Bateman or Oway going the sixth year. But Bateman's not going to be affordable anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But but in in the case of Oway. If he's elected in as a as a pro bowl it's actually going to hurt the hurt the Ravens by a couple million dollars a cap.
3: Well, I you know I would take the guy that I take next here that we're looking at is on the other side. Jadavian Clowney has just been, I mean, tremendous. He's 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 done it all. I, I mean, and we knew, knew that he was a good run defender. We knew he could set the edge. We knew he generated a decent number of pressures that didn't always convert to sacks. But he looks like a slimmer player than he has. Historically, he looks a half a step faster, I'd say, in terms of what we're getting from him as well. And so, I mean, you just can't speak highly enough of what the Ravens are getting from Xavier Clowney right now.
2: Outstanding year he's having. Uh, I think he's been a, been a good leader. I think the way things have worked out on the team, he fits perfectly in terms of the get initial pressures, also clean up. Uh, he's doing some of both, and it's fantastic. And he, he should generate a really impressive sack number this year. He's probably going to be very hard to re-sign uh, because of that, I'm afraid uh, he's, he's not going to be in the vet bargain bin where the Ravens have shown incredible ability to get value, by the way, uh, they, they, they've, they found these edge rushers year after year. I mean, it's, it's now it's, it's part of the Ravens' system. It seems like to, to find guys there and, and give them a, you know, a rebirth, whether it's JPP or Justin Houston, or, you know, any of the guys they've had Clowney or, 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 or uh, this year, uh, just, just seems like a, a great way to do it. But I've, I've, been, I've been super super high on what Clowney has done for the team. Uh, He's been a pretty good run defender. I don't think that's really been a problem for him. And uh, should have had three drive-ending plays in this game. He did have two. But on on one of the third and fives late in quarter three, that's when Yassin had the 34-yard DPI when he had a quarterback hit on that play. So that play probably should have just fallen incomplete. But uh, uh, Yassin couldn't help himself and ran through Urban on the play. Irwin. Oh, my turn, right? To go to the next player? I think so. Yep. All right. Let me jump on. Ronald Darby needs attention right away because the guy was targeted four times the entire game. So he gave up a little 12-yard completion to Irwin. I always get that wrong. uh, Fairly early in the game, I believe. And then each of the other three times he was targeted, he had a pass defense. So to go through these, Quarter three, 11-32, second and five, step-for-step coverage of Jackson, 30, 30 yards down the left sideline, dislodges it for a PD. Couple plays later, is 10-02, it's third and five. It's not the next play, but it's it's like the third and five after that. Um, he reached around Irwin f- four yards from the line of scrimmage for a drive-ending PD, so d- he had to get two PDs to end the drive there, but he did it, and, and that was great. And then quarter three, 225, they had a third and 17 play that went to chase 37 yards down the left sideline. Um, they both leapt for the, actually I'm sorry, chase leapt for the ball, made the catch. It looked like he was probably not going to come down in bounds anyway, but it would have been close and he might've been able to toe tap somehow with some gymnastics. Ronald Darby did not allow that to occur. He drove him right out of bounds in the air. There's no force out rules by the way, in the NFL. It used to be, and I was watching a game from 1970 just the other day, used to be if you forced a guy out and the contact was made in the field of play, it was a it was a completed pass. And then it, they had to force that rule for a long time uh, where if you got one foot in, you still counted as being forced out. And, and then they changed it to now, it's all on the offense to try and, try and get both feet down. They're not going to try and judge force outs anymore. So the defender is highly encouraged to almost carry that offensive player to the sideline if they can. Yeah, I, it, you were watching a game from 1970. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know, I, I'll tell you what, it was it was a really cool game that I'd never seen before. I knew about it historically, but I'm going to tell you about it real quickly. Um, the Cowboys beat the Lions in the playoff game that year at the Cotton Bowl. This before they moved into their new stadium, and they beat them five to nothing in the playoffs. Mm. And incredible, incredible back and forth game of turnovers, basically. <laughs> so ugly, ugly as hell. A lot like Super Bowl five, if you've seen that. Uh, and uh, uh, it was it was a very very interesting game to watch. But Greg Landry is a third year player, and everybody thinks he's going to be the next superstar in the NFL. That 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 also is kind of funny for the Lions. Yeah.
3: You know? <laughs> well, you know, I, I you're, Ronald Darby played has been playing tremendous it's unbelievable how the Ravens have been able to keep their corners healthy you know they've had some guys miss some time but they're rotating these guys they're using them effectively Darby was a guy to be excited about I mean we've seen the performance of how they played without Humphrey earlier in this year he's been part of that all the way from the start so really nice to see that depth you know from that secondary perspective overall yeah really paying off you know, and I'll, I'll flip to Brandon Stevens, who is, you know, still being and I don't understand this, I don't think, but still is occasionally maligned by some fans or some people that remember Brandon Stevens two years ago being very not good, which is fair because he wasn't then. But he's been tremendous. Um, he's been a, and not only has he been tremendous, I think more importantly, he is the guy that it seems as though opposing offenses are targeting first. Right. Like there's yep. a read if he's one on one one. That's where they're going to go for whatever the reasons are. The Ravens let Stevens on his own in those situations, um, and he's held up, and it's been tremendous. The value add that's given to this team, um, you know, in addition to guys like Darby, Aniyon, and and we'll probably talk about some of those other guys later. But but you know, when you look at them all collectively, uh, just really
2: really impressive stuff. Let me let me throw these numbers out at you for so the first eight games, Brandon Stevens had sixty-four targets against him. I think the league is starting to catch on the last three games, Seattle, Cleveland, Cincinnati, two, five and four targets. So way less than eight targets per game (laughs) in the last three weeks. Um, He is having one hell of a uh, season in terms of most of the important metrics. But I'll give you the probably the most important one. He hasn't been penalized or a couple of most important ones. He hasn't been penalized since week four. He's got a 70.8 passer rating against that. Bumped up a little bit this week because it was 67, I remember last week. That's probably the, the touchdown will do that. Um, and he's got uh, 11.1 missed tackle rate, which is solid for a cornerback. A lot of very few cornerbacks do do better than that. Um, so that's a that's a you know a solid rate. Uh, but anyway, just just having a terrific year, and, and he's played 98.6 percent of the snaps, so he's the guy. Who's, I believe he's played the most the most snaps on defense uh, of any player, and it's it would be close between him. I'm going to just look real quickly here. Uh, he's played 98.6, Hamilton 95.9, and he got he got knocked out of one game by by ejection, and Queen 97.6, and Smith 97.4. So they're the four, um, but uh, but Stevens has been the guy played the most snaps of anybody. Just love what he they're did impressive. to chase in this game, yeah. All right, I'll move on. I'll do Marcus Williams really quickly. Uh, much better game, and we talked about this in the in the in the in the first uh, half a little bit. But terrific game of of approaching tackles better, not hurting guys. Uh, you know, a, a initiating contact. He did actually some wrapping up in this game. He also did a couple times where he dipped his shoulder and tried to assist on a tackle that way. Um, does not give the appearance of playing completely with one arm, but also is not at a point now where he's completely back as a tackler either. So I'm not going to claim that, but I think you made a great point in the first episode that the Ravens schedule really favors Williams for getting right for the next game after the buy. Yeah. The Ravens schedule
3: assists the whole team. I, I, I mean, their willingness to not take a buy after going to London is going to pay dividends here down the end of this year. They need Stanley to get healthy, whatever you think of him. They, they need Marlon Humphrey. To, they need, they need these guys to get healthy. They need three or four weeks to play together and get in sync and then, and then let it roll. But um, Marcus Williams looked like he was a step back. And you, if he's a guy that's going to create some of these turnovers, which we have seen in the limited time he's played with the Ravens when he's been healthy to be able to actually turn the ball over and, um, you're talking about, you know, a, a, an embarrassment of riches for this Ravens defense in terms of and what they have already and what 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 they could be getting back.
2: Yep. yep, absolutely. I'm uh, very excited about what he's done. Well, I, I'll jump in with uh, um, uh, who do I want to talk about? I want to talk about Tavius Robinson. That's who I want to talk about, because he had a really good game. First of all, his first career sacks. So
0: that's always worth talking about. Um, it was a good one.
2: in uh, uh, played the run well as well. They've got him now as a kind of a designated base defense guy. So they put in this base package and unless it's the first play of the game, it's typically Harrison and him at the two outside linebacker spots, which is a way to conserve a few snaps per game for Clowney, O.A. and Van Noy. And those add up by the way, because those guys are are all playing a pretty high percentage of snaps Uh, Otherwise, but you're probably all playing close to 65% of the snaps um, uh, or or the highest of them would play 65% of the snaps otherwise. So you want to find some way to get those guys some snaps off. Yeah, absolutely. He he's
3: looked really good. They need the outside linebacker rotations. If uh, Jabo um, and Bowser aren't coming back, it's really nice to see this development from an, uh, like a rookie outside linebacker too. Um, you know, not surprising that the Ravens were able to do that, but if he could continue on this growth scale, I mean, he's ahead of, in my opinion, where Mar- uh, Malik Harrison was um, at the same stage in his career. And, oh, and yeah. that's, that's really nice.
2: Yeah, I I think he's ahead of that. Maybe Jalen Ferguson would be another guy he's ahead of developmentally. Who who you know never before, obviously his, his death never really had had gotten all the way to being a particularly great pass rusher. I'm trying to think of who else like fits the the mold here. He's he's he was drafted in a similar round to a Matthew Judon. I don't think I could quite put him in in that on that developmental curve yet. Uh, although it's hard for me to remember exactly where Judon was as a rookie. And I, I know with Tyus Bowser, there were all kinds of complaints about him as a rookie, not you know being another second round bust, which was that was garbage. Silly. But uh, yeah, but but uh, he's yeah, it's I was really concerned that there's not a ball player here. Now I think there's a decent rotational player here, uh, and we'll see if he can if he can develop into a guy who can kick inside and take some defensive line snaps off the off the rest of the team because that would be a would be a nice advantage if you get a little bit of pass rush from him. Well, maybe he can take a few of those steps on the inside.
3: Absolutely. Uh, the last guy I wanted to talk about, you know, I, there, there are some other names, but you know, really give some attention to um, to Kyle Hamilton too. Mm-hmm. He, he what he's doing for this team, he's clearly a Pro Bowler this year. Question, I, I think unquestionably, probably an All Pro. That that pick against Deshaun Watson might have put it all over the top for him. Just playing tremendously well. Talk about a Swiss Army knife. Can use him. Mm-hmm. A hundred different ways, complete threat, shutting down tight end, slap receivers, being a pass rusher, sacks, interceptions, touchdowns.
2: What a great draft pick. Yeah, I mean, fantastic pick. And I love Kyle Hampton like nobody's business. But he's, he had two missed tackles in this game, and he had an, an illegal hands-to-the-face penalty that I think tacked on five yards kind of near the goal line on a play. So it wasn't even his best game. And yet, he's still all over the field making plays. He had a drive-ending uh, PD in the game. Uh, just a, a, a lot to like about him. He's, uh, he's still huge presence as a pass rusher. And in fact, on the play where Stone came down and caused the alligator arming, maybe it wasn't, or maybe it was for Jamar Chase. Um, he is actually abandoning the slot position, and Jamar was out looking as the slot trying to look for that wide receiver screen and then stone comes screeching downhill on him, but it's also Hamilton getting pressure, which caused that ball yes. potentially to be thrown a little high in that situation. So, you know, his, he's a looming figure there in terms of, of, of what he can do. And, you know, obviously the, the Cleveland Browns found that out Deshaun Watson just this last week with a beautifully schemed up interception. I mean, that wasn't just a a schemed up pass rush that was schemed up for an interception as it was run. Yeah, I, he's just been what he adds to this
3: defense has been tremendous. And again, you know, you, you know, you see I, the Ravens do look a little tired. We've seen more missed tackles. You mentioned that from Kyle Hamilton's part. It's not just him. This upcoming rest, I think, is going to reinvigorate the defense a bit too.
2: Yeah, good point. Uh, good point. Um, okay, why don't we why don't we go to the mailbag here? Ask, answer a couple of questions, and then I, oh, do, do you want to put together your list of MVPs? Three, two, one, and while I go to the mailbag and hit a question. And then sure. we'll, uh, yep. we'll, cu- we'll call it a little early tonight. Um, and okay, let's see. So we have one from Jeff B. Now, Jeff B asks a lot of great questions. He says uh, Marcus Williams played every snap in the first half. His lack of tackling ability has shown up despite a nice play on the football on third down. If Burrow does not return, we may see Worley for a good portion of half two. It seems to have written this one pretty much directly during the game at 9 o'clock last night. And then he said, 10 hours ago, he says, I saw a post that he got the highest grade on PFF for the Ravens defense. Would like to hear your thoughts on that for the defense show. I think we kind of covered that already, Jeff. I really appreciate the question. Um, But Marcus looked a lot better tackling, not 100% of the time. Uh, was he looking like he could tackle like Marcus Williams? You expect a safety to tackle and wrap up and whatnot. But he had plays where he wrapped up. Whereas against Cleveland, he had no plays where he wrapped up. Every single play was a shoulder tackle, a one-arm grab, or a try to herd the player out of bounds without making contact. Which that, those are the ones that I think he would really hurt a team that that played very heavy against the Ravens. You know that that, that played with Ford as a running back who was you know not afraid of contact in any way, shape, or form. And with Njoku at tight end, who was getting some screen passes uh, that were causing problems as well. Not to mention, you know, anytime a receiver gets a, gets a catch between level two and level three, Marcus Williams has to make a tackle. Anything to, anything to add to that? I'm sorry. No, I think you. that's right. You know, but I, I think he's just got
3: It's a question of him getting healthy. And it's a question of the Ravens Cutting some responsibility loose back to him, and it's only going to make the team better. So it, this is a straight health question for Marcus Williams, and so you want to keep seeing him improve in that regard. And I think he's one of those guys where if he needs extra time to get healthy, I feel the same way about Humphrey and Stanley. Don't rush them back. They can. They need these guys to. You need game breakers to win big games in the playoffs and to make big plays in big moments. Let these guys get healthy and bring them back. Um, you know, I'm not going to fret over him being hurt in, you know, week 10, week nine, week eight. Um, if that means that we
2: can, we can have him healthy when the playoffs roll around. And credibly, the Ravens have just finished week 11, which tells you, you know, this is, we're getting old and the season's going quickly. So, uh, I, I got another question here from Jesse Niederberger. So I'll give you this one to you. Um, were the Ravens playing soft against the run in an effort to slow down the pass against Joe Burrow or were they being dominated up front? The run D seemed to improve once Joe left the game. I think they were just playing soft against the run in general.
3: I don't, you know, and and yes, sure. The counter to that is that it is to slow down the passing offense, but the Ravens have just light boxes. We talked about this a little bit already, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot more light boxes, a lot less heavy personnel, a lot more interest in having guys that are going to be able to sack the quarterback or be part of a sequence of how they can get after the quarterback Rather than stopping the run, so I think that I think that Cincinnati's approach was to show pass and use mixon a bit um, to effectiveness, so like it's it's kind of like a combination and then once Burrow came out of the game, not only does that take his ability out, it also takes the packages and plays and things that you've designed out of the game and potentially out of play as well. so it's not just Joe Burrow exclusive it's when your quarterback goes down, the whole approach. For everything that you practice all week long has to change. And I think that helps help the Ravens look better in terms of run defense, too.
2: Yeah, I, I think maybe if I were to add one thing, and I think you basically nailed it here, that against Joe Burrow, the last four or five times they've played him, they've been very effective at forcing him to play small ball. And and Joe Burrow does not have the kind of arm strength to really challenge a too deep defense when they stay in too deep. Now the Ravens don't always stay that way. They often rotate into single high, but they start with too deep typically. And when, when you do that and you're keeping eyes on the quarterback, um, you just present a lot of problems for a quarter like Bur- quarterback like Burrow with very average arm strength. And you know the first time around, he wasn't really able to step into his throws because of the calf. This time around, it sounded like he didn't really have the good grip on the football to throw the ball effectively. So forcing him to play small ball was probably a very good thing, and I think, I think the Ravens uh, you know, clearly made it work. Uh, Michael Cabot says, thoughts on getting JAD reps over Yassin? um it was uh yes it was late in the game but yassin is having a rough couple of games lately yeah he's not looked quite as sharp but you know what i, I don't think that i
3: don't think there are in-game developmental snaps that are needed i think that you've got you know once humphrey comes back then with Molet and darby and stevens and humphrey yassin is just the last guy in the rotation to be yeah that, that's where i am right now um is the when is it that... so i Yeah, I just don't, there's a lot development developmentally there to Yeah,
2: there's I and I would agree too. I think Jad right now, getting towards the end of his second year, the Ravens do kind of need to fi- figure out what they have, and and want, it'd be another good reason to have kind of a um, artificial bye week in Week 18. If that Steelers game doesn't mean anything, that you can have Jad out there, and you can see you can you can give him a chance to see try and see what you have anyway. And I, I think that would be good. One more question, then we'll be done. Uh, thoughts on Washington being inactive? More so, scheme against Cincinnati or performance? Also, percentage of defensive signing uh, happens over both buys. Okay, so I'll just I, I'll take the first part of this in terms of Washington. I think that it was actually a surprise inactive, and I'm really worried about what the injury might be. I'm hoping it was just an illness, um, but I don't think there's any way in hell they'd have played only uh, four defensive linemen in a game against Cincinnati by choice. With I agree. With- I I it, it, he's played
3: well more than well enough this year. He's been great for the draft pick, the value, his role in the team. He's a guy that the Ravens need moving forward and let's just hope that it's not some other big picture injury
2: problem. Yeah, I I think the other thing about a percent chance of a de- defensive signing over both buys 40%, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a defensive line signing. So, you know, it could be a defensive backfield. It could be any number of a of, of variety of positions. It could be assigning to the practice squad in terms of a guy being like immediately elevated, probably less than that. Uh, any, anything that to- I think that they're looking at, whether and Don Su is the guy that they want to yeah. bring
3: in. I mean, there, there's, there's smoke there. Is there fire? I, I mean, do they need it? Right. He's, he's the right. If we're talking about a guy that fits this new scheme that is not, defensive tackle that is run stop centric then he's the perfect fit sounds like he wants to play sounds like he didn't want to put his whole body through the full rigor of a team or the full rigor of an NFL season Now, like I mean it's basically now is the time um and you know do the Ravens want to continue to kick the can on their cap you know they they have they continue to say this is our year we're going to go after it this will be the I think that's the Re- more realistically performance
2: is not the, the issue cap but future cap i think is the issue right it's four hundred thousand dollars is all they have to pay for for the portion of the season they could be getting from Damakungsu. su so i think that's a that's a it's an easy enough one to to make work if they if they want to do it so i'd be all for it by the way um i th- i think he fits the need uh, right on the money tell you what let's finish it up and and name our mvps three two one who's your number three guy so my number 3 guy was an OA, who I thought just played from an edge perspective, just had a phenomenal game and the kind of performance the Ravens are going to continue to need to see. Couldn't argue with that even though at least he's on my honorable mention list. It is a long honorable mention this list <laughs> this week. My number 3 guy is Marcus Williams, came back couple passes defense, that was really nice tackling like he could be ready to go again. Um, you know the one pass defense ended a drive he did enough in this game that I'm not only excited about what he accomplished for the Ravens, but I'm very excited about how good he could be for the rest of the year so important we all not become wedded to a position. I thought Worley was the guy who should be out there last week. I thought probably it meant Worley should be the guy who should be out here this week, but Williams proved me wrong in terms of uh he was the he he was up to the tackling challenge enough that I think they were better off with him than with Worley, yeah. I I thought he played
3: really well and was, again, he's going to be a big part of this team Mm -hmm. if we're talking about a kind of like deep playoff run. So really excited to see, you know, my number two guy was Brandon Stevens. I think that you just, he, like, like we've talked about a lot already. He's just an anchor right now to the secondary teams are approaching how they, they treat him differently. His performance has not dropped just especially with Humphrey being a guy that's been banged up, just really, really a plus performance from Brandon
2: Stevens. Yeah, I I'm uh, right on there. And I, and he's my number two guy as well. I, I guess I'll just add, toss up the questions so that I think we've talked about him enough is, uh, the end of the season, he becomes eligible to be extended after, after three years, by the way, there's always some idiot who tries to tries to say that, that, uh, uh there's already negotiations going on about this kind of stuff. There's not supposed to be. <laughs> so, or if somebody's refused an offer already, then, you know, it's a pile of crap because there, there can't be an offer yet. Um, So Stevens, though, what kind of number would represent a reasonable divisible benefit to extend him for, say, four years if you wanted to add years, probably years, maybe three, extend three years, extend years five through seven onto his contract, and he plays next year for whatever his contract is signed for, which is still his original deal as a third-round pick?
3: You know, I'd have to look more closely to throw a, a specific number on it, but I would say something in the realm of like what Tyus Bowser got.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, you, you're talking about a nice chunk that's going to be good for the player, but also going to leave some upside for the team,
2: right? I, I, and that's where I, I say there has to be divisible benefit on the team. So I don't think I don't think Brandon Stevens jumps immediately to ten million a year. I think I think seven to eight million a year is reasonable to have some divisible benefit, and I think you put. A fairly steep slope on that, so there's there's a good amount of money up front, but it's not a tremendous amount. And then there's a steep steep set of salaries. Um, but but the key thing is that the, the money up front is going to be what Brandon Stevens is really interested in because that's the that's what he should be willing to give up for. That is the that is the security he gets. So that's why players generally only care about the guaranteed money in contracts. Uh, so if if 10 million of that is guaranteed, of say 21, I'd be I'd be fine with that. Number one guy, my number one guy is uh, Jadavian
3: Clowney. I think that what he brought at the edge, the sacks, the game, or the um, drive-ending plays that you talked about, it just continues to be a leader across the board. And just uh, the, the Ravens' defense would not be the same without him this year. Wouldn't have been the same in this game.
2: Completely agree. By the way, and and this one week, and I'm guilty probably of going away from some of the edge rushers and Matabike, who have dominated these lists all year. But I'm going with Ronald Darby in this game with the three PDs, two drive enders, contributed to the to the demise of Chase in this game, which I thought was good. I just thought his his performance was outstanding, and they were absolutely fantastic when he was in the game, um, and not, not as good nearly when uh, when Yassin was in. So uh, he's my number one guy this week. Yeah, like you said, there are a lot of guys that could have been right there this year. Yeah, yeah. All right, always a pleasure to talk football with you, my friend. Uh, tell folks where they can talk to you online or uh, re- or definitely listen to the Situation Room. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter. Uh,
3: me and my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. I'm at Ravensitroom. He's at Gabe Fergie, trying to get some quick, uh, you know, one-off reactions to some of these games, do some hot takes a little bit, and then come back to them later, the league, later in the week and uh, kind of take a look. At breaking down how things are uh, looking. So we'd love to hear you, or have you join us on the podcast, but we'd also love to hear you from you on Twitter.
2: Outstanding analysts here, both Gabe and Jordan, very smart people. It's obviously clear from the, from the way they talk and, and respond and talk about football, but they also um, these guys have been fantastic about coming on the show very regularly and, and uh, being a, a great guest in front of the show. Really have appreciated that. And that's why it's one of the Shows i always look forward to is getting to talk with you, or or for that matter, for, with Gabe as well. And so the Situation Room I highly recommend to people who are, who are looking for that next pod to uh, to listen to. Other folks out there, I'm going to ask you for for one thing this week. We, you you guys know how to reach me on a short, so I won't go over that again. But if you wouldn't mind, like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, write a comment if you want. I'll try and respond to those out there. Um, and also, if you would, and, and you're a longtime listener full of loyalty, wondering what you can do for the show. Uh, Writing a review always helps. So if you have a five-star review, you wouldn't mind giving to us on one of the podcast platforms. That'd be fantastic. And they all get uh, uh, looked at. And then that becomes part of the search engine uh, algorithm and whatnot. It helps us uh, get additional eyes on the pod. Uh, Anyway, I want to thank you very much for for being wonderful listeners, incredible loyal audience. Jordan, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me as usual, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on film study.